Hello, everybody, and welcome to the reboot of episode 78. It's still just as crummy and uh, use some parts over again, but I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. Welcome to the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, your source for motorcycles, mayhem, and misinformation. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. Kangaroos are leaping down the street every day. And isn't that funny line. how people say not to be an asshole, yeah, but you're going to go on to be an asshole. You're 41 and started a race career. My skin met the asshole. But these new, ki- new ways kit my... I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. I have to stop talking shit. All right, a couple of blurbs. Whatever they do with cocaine. <laughs> all right, technically all chaps are asses, right? <laughs> Technically, all chaps are asses. Thank you for that, Paul. You say GIF, I say GIF, because it's a graphics interchange format, not a giraffics interchange format. Just remember that next time you're on BikeX GIF. Hey, so everybody, this is a reboot of episode 78. I did not like the way 78 came out. And uh, I broke some of my own rules about uh, podcasting and what I should say and shouldn't say. And uh, somebody clarified it. Didn't necessarily call me out, but clarified it for me. But um, so here's a reboot. I hope you enjoy and I hope I do a little bit better. Okay, we're getting into this episode uh, right off the bat. Correction corner, baby. I got to need to start doing this. Last week's show, um, right off the bat. I, I may have called somebody the wrong name on last week's show, and it may have been the ambassador, uh, chastiter, and ultimate flex-tastiter of the uh, WIR's top 10 bikes stock wheelbase list. Uh, his name is not Jason Shu. There's nobody named Jason Shu on any of these lists. Uh, Jason Shu is a stupid name, and if your name is Jason Shu, I would change it to Charlie Batbones. All right, so I'm sorry to Aaron Shu and Jason Gohlmeyer, whose names I was intertwining so lovingly on this last episode. We'll, we'll talk about those guys in a little bit. Uh, we got some Red Mile results, Dairyland Classic chant, and some WR recap coming up. And I uh, want to get into the new segment of the show that I call Podcast News. I'd also like to thank last week's guest, a lovely person from Wisconsin, a rider coach, uh, someone who got into motorcycling and immediately went on a 2,400-mile journey thereafter, uh, was involved in a terrible accident, and the outcome changed her life. And so, if you didn't hear last week's show, go back and take a listen to it. You'll hear the outcome of that, what happened after the crash and all the fun stuff she's been on since. And I, I'll tell you what, man, getting an interview with Amber, you you think you like motorcycles? Uh, she was on one every single time I tried to get a hold of her. So I don't think you like motorcycles as much as Amber does. Um, so we got that. Uh, hope you enjoyed that show. What else was I going to say? Oh, if you like the shows... Or if you don't like the shows, uh, check us out. Leave us a review wherever you find us. We're available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Store, all the weird little pocket stuff like Downcast, Pocket Casts, Dog Catcher, 
bean pod cruncher, bean cruncher, um, nut cruncher. Uh, that's a fake one I just made up, but you know, uh, did I mention Stitcher? So check us out on one of those things. Leave us a little review um, or a rating. You know, just tell us what you think. If you like us, that's awesome. It helps us basically figure out what you like about the show, where we should keep going and where we should turn away from in the show. Uh, and then we will do neither of those because we don't care and it's our show. And if you want to do that, make your own show. And then respectfully, we love to hear your feedback. <laughs> If you leave us a crappy review, we'll probably do a 30-minute rant on it like we did on a couple episodes ago. So don't leave a crappy review because it turns us into sniveling little babies. If you would like to reach out to us directly, you can reach us on our Facebook page. If you search Creative Writing Podcast, you'll find us there. Sometimes we're down to chat. If you have Facebook Messenger, uh, we're sitting around and we need a shoulder to cry on like the other day. I was crying a little bit, and listener Lance hit us up on the Facebook page and chatted with us. And um, yeah, security clearance three, not required. Facebook access, sure, do it. So you can also find us on the Instagrams at uh, Creative Writing Podcast, I believe. We're on Gmail at Creative Writing Podcast at gmail.com. Um, what else do we have? We have Tumblr, creative writing.tumblr.com, creative writing dot com is our website uh those are the best ways to reach us please tell a friend uh like i said leave us a review and uh send us something via carrier pigeon or if we run into you in person we'll be glad to shake your hand and mm, that's about it shake your hand and give you a high five and a sticker all right let's get on with the show this is ridiculous six minutes in and i really haven't said anything oh my god and there's still an hour and a half to go All right. First things first, everybody. I would like to talk about the Red Mile results, but I would also like to cover some local flat track. And we've had a couple flat trackers on the show. We've had Scott, who is a famous builder at Noise Cycles, and he's going to be uh, at Born Free this year. He's going to be a featured builder. We've also had Chris Wiggins. And where would you know Chris Wiggins from? Well, he is a Harley hooligan racer. He's part of the Roland Sands uh, Harley hooligan national flat track championship. And so that's where you might have heard him from. Uh, Now, uh, this is revised. I've revised this and we'll talk about it in a minute. So let me get back to last week's uh, coverage of the Red Mile. Let's uh, let's talk about AFT. I noticed this is crazy, but I noticed that the AFT, I'm sorry, the Fans Choice coverage has got so much better. They've whatever bandwidth issues they seem to be having at the beginning of the year, they have got totally sorted out. Maybe a bunch of people have quit watching because they were pissed off, and that works out to your advantage. Uh, the flat track has been well, the tracks, the series has been seeing record attendance. Like I know they had at Daytona. Peoria is always a hot one because that's such a cool TT. But now that they've thrown a couple other TTs in there, like the Springfield, um, what other one? I think the, um, the the Buffalo Chip is going to be one at Sturgis. And so, yeah, just some crazy great things coming out of that. And uh, very interesting. Even I, It's so funny. I've seen a lot of news articles recently from the New York Times, the Washington, not the Washington Post, the LA Times, um, you know, all these 
uh, uh, what are they called? Newspapers? I forget what they're called. You know, I have the internet now. But all these, uh, you know, press outlets, mainstream media stuff, not doing any fake news, doing actual news on the popularity of Flat Track and its rise again and talking about, you know, it kind of petered out there in the 80s. Um, and Harley's been winning it for the last, what is that, 30 years, 40 years, and then um, 100 years? Is it 100 years? <clears throat> so good at math. And then, you know, how it's on the rise again. And I think that's really cool. So uh, I'm really happy that in the wake of like all the popularity and coverage and stuff that the fans choice bandwidth has stepped up. And that's pretty amazing. And this weekend they were at the Red Mile in Kentucky. They haven't been in Kentucky from what I read on the American Flat Track homepage for 26 years. Now, I wouldn't know that because I didn't watch Flat Track 26 years ago. I was too busy harvesting organs for research in Slovenia. I will talk about that on another episode. But uh, yeah, returns to Kentucky after a 26-year absence. I think they returned to Arizona after, was it a 15 or 20-year absence since they've been there? So uh, I mentioned a few episodes ago that they're hitting these new markets that aren't really new. They've just been absent there. And so part of the reason for the decline of the sport, obviously, or or uh, I'm sorry, not the reason for the decline, but a... Um, What's that called? A result? I can't think of these words right now that are English words, and I'm pretty good at speaking English. Well, maybe not. Listen to the rest of the show and you be the judge, but my vocabulary is not coming to me today. My English vocabulary is suffering. But um, but yeah, so basically, I don't know if it's the result of the decline, you know, many, many years ago that they started leaving these venues because there just wasn't enough of a draw to merit, uh, you know, the attendance to get the income, you know, and so let's not go there. Let's stay at the big, big ones that always draw big crowds. I don't know why they why they vanished, but with the reemergence and the resurgence of the series, we also have reinvestment and resurgence at these facilities. There is a great uh, car stuff, which is uh, brought a broadcast by the How Stuff Works Network on uh, lost racetracks. You should go check it out. Anyway, so yeah, these facilities that they're revisiting, um, you know. It's pretty cool. They're re reinvigorating, reinvesting, and maybe they've had local stuff there, but it's really cool to have the national hit it and, uh, you know, split it. Damn it. Why can't I think of what's wrong with me? Let's get to the Red Mile, shall we? All right, all right. Well, let's start off with the twins racing. I'm revising this to cut out a lot of the blab and blabber from the first time around. Hopefully, it's a little bit more concise. Uh, the twins raced a uh, second, but the, uh, th- I didn't see the race. So I had to go back and look at the results. <clears throat> My wife wanted to work out and I said, yes, let's do it. I had seen the uh, singles race and that's what I really wanted to pay attention to. So here's how they came in. It was Mies in first, Halbert, Baker, and Smith rounding out the top four. Uh, Smith's force fourth place uh kind of knocked him down he's tied with Mies for the lead in the championship right now and Mies only has three uh first place to smith's four but that fourth place really hurt him and as uh Mies has finished on on the podium in all seven races so far uh that means if he keeps staying consistent like that uh he's probably going to take it home now there's been a lot of people talking about 
uh, Indian taking it and Indian sweeping it. And it has been uh, pretty close. Uh, Sammy Halbert broke that up this week and last week. Um, and he's and Halbert's a really strong strong guy. What they what they really need to be looking at is it's not Indian, it's Meese, uh, Halbert Baker and Smith. Those are I mean those are really strong riders. And last year they were all on Harleys doing the same exact sort of thing. And so whether it's Indian or Harley, it doesn't really matter. These these riders are like the top tier dudes. Uh, Halbert is coming in on his Yamaha, and uh, you know watching and of course Smith was on a Kawasaki last year. But uh, if you watched, you know, last year's racing, it was all Harley and Honda. So I don't know what the big beef with Indian uh, being on the top of the podium now is. Uh, It's funny that Harley's been there for the last 40 years. And uh, all of a sudden, people are throwing a stinky because now Indian's been on it for half a season. So at any rate, Mies, Halbert, Baker, and Smith rounding out the top four. Uh, like I said, Smith is going to have to finish pretty strong. Um, now, Baker, he's uh, Halbert actually is in third place overall in the points, and Baker is in fourth. Um, and that's because Baker did not start at the TT this year at Daytona and he finished 16th. He had a mechanical, I forget what race that was, but he had a mechanical and he finished uh, 16th somewhere down there. And uh, so he's not even third or fourth in the points right now uh, overall. Um, so yeah, Halbert slips into third and he might've been a little bit higher if, uh, Mies hadn't sent him flying and Dixie. If you watch that, you'll know he finished sixth after Mies clipped him in the last corner. And, um, most years the season would be halfway over right now, but we still have, uh, two more TTs and a mile. Uh, there's 11 races left in the season. Uh, of course we have, uh, it's coming up to Oklahoma city. Uh, this week, this is revised, of course. So last week there was a uh, a buy, like not a buy, but there was no race. This week they're going to be heading into uh, Oklahoma, and they will soon be going to. Well, Peoria is still a few away, but they uh, last week they did test at Peoria. They did the a little race there. It wasn't part of the national program, but there wasn't a, a TT there. And who took it? Well, Henry Wiles took it, and uh, we, we'll talk talk about that in a little bit, I guess. I don't want to go off on, on a tangent about uh, Peoria TT just yet, but I do want to talk about you know Brad Baker um, and and, and Meese. You know, last year racing short track on Hondas, and Baker is a short track man. He is such a strategist. Uh, he took the first Super Prestigio over in uh, Spain. He t- he won the one here in America, and the 2015. I went to see that, and that was really cool. I've seen him at a couple Ivy League flat track events. Um, you know, racing like a hundred lapper that they had him and Smith. I think Smith was trying to work on his short game because he's such a you know Mr. Mile. Here's the thing is that it's going to be an interesting season and I don't know if Indian is going to be filling out the podium through the whole season just because some of these guys like Baker were so good on the 450s. Meese is not too shabby. You know, he was pretty good on the miles and short track and that was his thing. Uh, I think he'll be able to uh, translate that real well over to the twins, but Baker, I don't remember him taking a whole lot of miles and um and Meese actually only one, uh, I think he won a mile this year, and I don't think he'd won one all, 
at all since last year or something like that. So um, they were really good on the short tracks, which, you know, they were racing uh, Honda CRF450s. So it, it might not be an uh, Indian sweep all year long, uh, depending on how these tracks start, start shaping up and depending on uh, how well they can translate those 450 skills over to the 750s. So that's my, I was just starting to think about Baker, how he's hanging on to fourth right now in the points, but he, he may slip back. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see if uh, Indian can stay on top. All right, I'm going to revert back to last week's show for the singles. Singles racing. Oh boy, that was extremely exciting. Tristan Avery, who has been a uh, name to watch, him and Kobe Carlisle, uh, Shayna Texter, and who else has been? Hmm, there's one other fellow that I can't think of right now that has been, uh, you know, pretty. Uh, consistent finishing up there in like the top three but um i thought Shayna took third is what they said at, at the race uh, you know after the races and i was like oh okay cool at least she you know she was battling she was duking it out she, she got the front she went to fourth she went to third she got the front she went to the second third i mean it was that's what's the cool thing about this twins racing is because i mean uh the singles racing because in the twins they can kind of step out and start working together but then you get the front guys mixing it up and battling and bumping and and here's the deal it's super hard well in the twi- in the singles it's not easy but for some reason they seem to be able to stick together in packs a little bit better and uh, and run so I don't know. For whatever reason, Shayna was up there. She was forward and backward and forward and backward. And I think she lost it on the last lap because I think she was first going on the first on the um, the last lap. I think I'm pretty sure she was first and she got drafted out of the last corner. If I remember, my memory is terrible. But yeah, what a result. You know what I mean? Um and here's how this stuff happens. Uh, we're only ha- we're like not even halfway through the season yet. Now, the thing is, like when you have somebody on top like this early on, you're like, yeah, yeah, rooting for them. And then there's still over half a season left for things to go sideways. So not uh, not always great when somebody steps out right in the front. But I am rooting for Shayna. Um, I really I love her and Corey Texter. We'll talk about them sometime and their family and, you know, the, their dad and stuff like that. The passing of their dad and their uh you know, the formation of their racing team and their, just their family. They're pretty fun. Uh, been keeping track of them over the years. So it's a pretty cool story. I want to talk about the Dairyland Classic coming up, but first a word from our sponsor. Hey, pet owners, you got a pesky dog or cat jumping up on the couch as soon as you leave for work? (laughs) Getting that thing hairy, flea, scratching it up, making a mess of your personal throne. Well, RP Enterprises has developed the Pet Off 360. The Pet Off 360 is a unique Bluetooth device that offers 360 days a year protection against your pet. Yes, your own pet. Your own pet is the worst menace to society. Jumping up on your spot right after you get off the couch. Pooping on it when you're not home. What's up with that? Mr. Whiskers trying to sharpen his claws on your brand new collection from Ikea. Well, let the Pet Off 360 play a personal recorded uh, message from you. I shouldn't say uh in the copy here. It didn't say that on the paper. 
At any rate, use RP Enterprise's patented vocal recognition technology. You do the whaling, your pet does the bailing. Get your pet off your couch while you're not around. Slap him verbally with the Pet Off 360 from RP Enterprises. All rights reserved. Oh my god, only 360 days a year of protection. What's the other five? What's up with that? This thing needs holiday breaks. RP Enterprises needs to work on that. Uh, so anyway, let's talk about the Dairyland Classic. Now, I follow a wonderful little person on... Oh, God, that came out totally wrong. I follow a wonderful person. She's not little. Like, oh, my God, this is going... I'm digging a hole. I follow a really great person on social media. Her name's Brittany Olson. Uh, she goes by 20th Century Racing on Instagram. You may have seen her around. She's kind of a big deal especially in the vintage racing scene. Uh, she is a mother, a maid, and a motorcycle maven. And uh, I was watching the Dairyland, her Dairyland Classic uh, coverage. They had the 33rd annual Dairyland Classic on June 2nd. Why didn't I mention it on the show? Well, come on. It happened in Wisconsin, but guess what? So did the RSD at uh, Wisconsin International Raceway. I got priorities, folks. So maybe next time it happens, I'll tell you if it's not happening on our boys and girls special day. Uh, so anyway, yeah, she finished sixth in her class. She crashed her 1923-61 cubic inch Harley Davidson board tracker. Uh, she gave it the beans, but she also gave it a new look. Uh, there, She was the only one there not from Wisconsin, by the way. She's from Aberdeen, South Dakota, and everybody else was Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. A couple of the other racers there, Michael Lang and Bill Rodenkall, from Waukesha, Waukesha, whoops, Waukesha. Don't let me hear you call it Waukesha. I'll beat you up myself. It's Waukesha. And I think we know somebody from there, eh? A couple, couple great racers on the WIR top 10 list from Waukesha, not Waukesha. But anyway, there were also some uh, American flat track riders in attendance. Right off the top of my head, I can remember that es- Danny Eslick was there. Um, maybe... Uh, Shane Narbonne was there. I want to say Kobe Carlisle was there. A couple other ones. I can't remember everybody right off the top of my head. Oh, Jesse Janish was there. Janish, Janish. Uh, he was there. Ooh, I don't know. There was a couple guys that you would recognize um, if you were watching Fans Choice and following the AFT uh, singles class. They were there. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. That's the Dairyland Classic. It happens around this time every year. Something else that happened was, oh, and go check out Brittany Olson, 20th Century Racing Instagram. Ramming. All right, something else that I want to talk about and cover is the RSD, the uh, Hooligan Harley National Championship. It's a street bike flat track uh, racing championship and takes place uh, all over, but uh, most of them are happening at these uh, small events. The first one was at the the one show in uh, Salem, Oregon. Then the Mama Tried Flat Out Friday in Milwaukee. The third round was the American Flat Track GNC uh, at 
Dixie Speedway, and that kind of made headlines because you have a hooligan class uh, playing, you know, into like a national program. It was kind of cool, and it got a lot of exposure with that. Uh, April 22nd, the fourth round was at the Hippie Killer Hoedown in Paris. Uh, fifth round is going to go down at Dirtquake. Yeah, Dirt Quake is going to be in Castle Rock, Washington, July 22nd and 23rd. That's like a gigantic party on two wheels, if you've ever seen the original British Dirt Quake. Uh, August 9th, they're going to be at the Buffalo Chip TT in Sturgis. Uh, the 27th, they're going to be at the Wheels and Waves Invitational in Santa Maria. If you're familiar with the Wheels and Waves uh, overseas, it is uh, a big deal. And I think they're going to try and make one here. Um, the, uh, September 29th, Costa Mesa Super Hooligan Night at the Costa Mesa Speedway. October 7th, American Flat Track GNC at Paris. That's going to be the finals. They're going to be at the finals. And then the, the uh, RSD National uh, Final, Grand Finale, is going to be at Bolsa Chica Bonsai at Bolsa Chica State Beach on October 14th, which is uh, a week after the GNC, uh, American Flat Track GNC Pro uh, wraps up. They don't call it GNC, this Grand National Championship, I guess. So, but anyways, after five, uh, uh, after four rounds, actually, here's how some of the results have panned out for the Roland Sands Harley Hooligan uh, class. In first spot, we have Andy Debrino. At number, he's number 14. Andy Debrino is also a road racer, and so you may have seen him. If you're uh, familiar with like some of the uh, American uh, classes that run stuff like that, like JD Beach is a road racer, uh, Hayden Gillum is a road racer, and they kind of do some flat track stuff on the side. So Andy Debrino is the same way, only not GN, uh, not American flat track. He's doing hooligan, which is even cooler in my opinion. He also did some pretty cool stuff with Alta on the Red Shift, doing uh, some flat track, trying to mix it up with the gas bike so that's pretty cool uh so andy debrino in first spot on a harley brad spencer number seven in second spot on a harley uh there's a tie for third jordan baber jordan graham and joe cop so if your name starts with a j uh third place is looking pretty good they all have 40 points and they're kicking it in third jordan graham and joe copper on indians uh number 47 and number three uh, they're really uh, they're out there on Instagram and stuff. You can see a lot of number 47. Um, in fourth spot, alone in fourth, is our very own Chris Wiggins on his Harley trusty Rusty. And in fifth spot, there's a tie for fifth. Uh, Benny Carlson, Sammy Halbert, and Rich Heverly all on, uh, well, Harleys, except for Sammy's on the Indian. Now, uh, Sammy took a first. And Benny Carlson took a first, but they've only raced one race. So uh, that's kind of where, you know, Debrino, Spencer, Baber, Graham, Cop, Wiggins, they've at least raced three, uh, two to three races apiece. Uh, Joe Cop took first place on the very last round, on the fourth round. And so that's why he's kicking it up there at the bottom of third. Um, so we'll see how this stuff happens. I mean, th- those some of these guys, I think, are only in it. There's a lot of guys that just raced once. Matt Harris, actually, from 40 Cal Customs, a friend of the Misfits. He's sitting down in, in, uh, looks like he's in 17th. He's tied for 17th, um, which is last place, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, some of these guys probably aren't going to be hitting up 
Uh, I'm sure he's going to be at Dirtquake. You know what I mean? He'll be he'll be at some of this stuff. And some of these guys are just one one time dudes. Probably raced it in their local area. I know Wiggins will for sure uh, be. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be at Wheels and Waves at Costa Mesa. He'll be out here at Paris and Bolsa Chica. All these California ones, I'm sure he'll be at. And so he's probably if he doesn't hit up Dirtquake and the Buffalo Chip. Um, that's only two races that he'll miss out of the whole series. So we'll, you know, stuff like that. We'll see how these guys, um, kind of end up finishing. So, but that's pretty cool. And I, I'm really glad that RSD, uh, you know, Roland Sands design is, is putting on something cool. This is the second year of the nationals that I know of. I don't know if they did it in 2015. I don't think they did. I don't think, I think they were building, you know, with Ivy league and all that stuff, uh, helping them to build it out. And then 2016, it just blew up. And so the super hooligan champion at the end of the series will win a factory Indian FTR 750 race bike. And there's $3,000 in purse money per race. And if you go to Roland Sands, uh, designs or just go to rollinsands.com and you go over to their blog i think is where this is all listed uh listed out at you'll see where the rules the contingencies the prizes uh you'll see the you know the the actual downloadable rule book there and like chris wiggins said when we interviewed him dude you got a sportster come out and race like what would be cooler than to see you out there uh fighting you know there's how many races did I say there's left? There's like eight, uh, seven or eight races left. You can get out there and be competitive on your Harley and actually win an Indian flat track bike. You could do this. How cool is that? Um, so that's the RSD. I will try to stay abreast of this because this is kind of a cool thing. And if I'm going to start following it, I'd like to see it through and I'll try to keep, um, you know, if I go to any of these events, I'll try to post the results and I will try to keep you and, and me, actually myself, on top of the results and, and what's going on and who's who's coming away with this thing. So that, I think that'd be pretty cool to start following another like a grassroots uh, hooligan flat track series. All right, let's flop over to the WIR's top 10 list. So the WIR, obviously we can't trust Sing Syme. That's what this segment should be called. Can't trust, can't trust a brother. So he gave us some crazy information last week on the show. He broke it down for us. I have to say that he, I, I think he represented from his perspective the truth about people's bikes, how they were running. But when it came to Michelle, except for saying that she was a machine and all the great positive stuff I edited out and I only put in the shit talking. Oh boy. I really did him no service. My friends, <laughs> I did him a great disservice. Uh, but yeah, he did a lot of smack talking, but if you go and review WIR top 10 bikes list and see who's on top, surprise, surprise monkey flipper. Uh, so this is how we ended up coming out of this weekend's racing and and by the way uh michelle got to me uh spoke with me via a facebook message and said the weather held the weather was wonderful because chris didn't know that day you never know i guess in wisconsin whether it's going to be rainy 
snowy, or boiling hot. So apparently those thunderstorms that were predicted for the afternoons um, did not even come around and it was like in the 80s. So I mean, perfect drag strip weather, you know what I'm saying? Except for all those people sweating balls in the in the leathers in between races. So uh, in the senior bike list, here's how things round out for the top 10. Michelle retains... Her spot. And not only that, but who was in second now dropped down to third, Mr. Christopher Singstein. What happened, dude? Oh, my God. He must have not got uh, his E85 and fuel mixture thing figured out. And uh, that NOS that he was spraying must have been cottage cheese. Uh, that'll jam up an injector right quick. Jason Gohmeyer, uh taken is not side bitch is junkyard dog yeah junkyard dog is his bike go to our page by the way uh, creativewriting.com and look up on the drop down menu for the WIR top 10 riders list you can get a good look at everybody and their bikes on there so if you don't know what Jason Goldmeyer and junkyard dog looks like go over there and check it out uh, up into second man so next round and Michelle's got a buy on the next round because those fools spent so much time flipping back and forth and getting their butts kicked that they're calling each other out so Chris is calling out Jason on the next round uh, and third spot we have dustin durant and number three is jake now there's so many damn jakes dylan's and justin's dustin's crustin's on this list i can't keep him straight but jake i think might be big body jake now he's uh, currently in fifth spot calling out dustin durant long flowing locks power waters long walks on the beach durant that guy uh so jake will be calling him out for the fourth spot next round um there's another justin i think this is justin how probably calling out ryan uh, for the sixth spot, so that's uh, six and seven. Seven place Justin calling out six place Ryan, and I'm sure that's probably Ryan Skiba. Uh, eighth place Dylan. This has to be Dylan Pulley. Uh, ninth place Guy Guy Bellinger making it back on the list. Hot damn, brother! We thought you were, or I thought you were out of this. I was pretty sad about that, and glad to see you back. I know a lot of people are glad to see you fighting your way back in. And then Dylan T. Uh, in the number 10 spot, Dylan Thomas, probably great English poet, right? Is that who Dylan Thomas is? Um, Dylan Turdrecker is in a uh, 10th spot on the WIR senior list on deck. They have Preston nipples, which is my favorite name of, uh, Preston Knipple. That K is silent, bro. Uh, Minnick, which I thought was Minich, but then I got schooled. It's Minnick, uh, like the hard pronunciation there. And Busa John. So we got three dudes on deck foaming at the mouth. So there was a lot of action happening in the senior class. That's pretty impressive. Uh, pretty cool action. But uh, according to Michelle, she whooped boys all night. Nitrous Chris got some knee surgery uh, three days before cots, dudes. Can you believe this? Come on, Grandpa. Get your walker out. You need to uh, hook up a shift air shifter to your walker, old man. You better you better do good there. So this weekend, June 10th, Great Lakes Dragaway. That's in Union Grove, Wisconsin. They're going to be or no, yeah, is that in Wisconsin? I think so. They're going to be doing um, you know, the cots racing, which is king of the streets. It's like no prep, heads up. Um. All Paps Blue Ribbon sort of thing is pretty, pretty going to be pretty cool. So they're heading into Cots doing that. 
Flipping over to the stock wheelbase class with uh, Justin Sh- Jason Shu as the <laughs> curator. We're, I'm just kidding, Aaron. Um, yeah, Aaron Shu is the uh, manager of the stock wheelbase class. And not only that, he's sitting right now in fourth spot. That ain't too bad. Looks like they're having a lot of action on this list because there was only three or four callouts on the last, uh, on the senior list. There's like everybody calling out everybody on the stock wheelbase list. According to their Facebook post, they had a lot of action during those rounds um, last uh, weekend. We got Dylan T in the top spot, and I'm thinking that's Tidrich, right? And Jake Ross calling him out from the number two spot. So we'll see what goes down uh, in three weeks from now, which one of those guys takes the top spot. I almost said buffoons, but these, what am I? Why would I say that? So anyway, Jake Ross, man, second spot, calling out number one. Uh, Third and fourth spot, we got Dylan, another Dylan, dude. Dylan Pulley again? Dylan? I'm going to have to look at, is this another Dylan Thomas? I'm going to have to look at uh, the the names of the stock wheelbase racers and see which Dylan this is. Um, But anyway, uh, Aaron's calling him out. This has to be Dylan Pulley. And Aaron's calling him out for that third spot from number four. Uh, Mike B, which I'm pretty sure is Mike Bell getting called out by Aaron Dassey for that fifth spot. Aaron sitting in sixth. Um, in seventh spot, we have Bo. Although from my writing, it looks like it says Bean because I messed up the U. It's kind of funny. So we have Bean in seventh spot. Todd Tidrichinate spot. Sorry, I'm pronouncing that like that. Tidrich. 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 That's how you say it where I'm from, um, Arkansas. Uh, and then ninth spot, Cody. I have no idea who Cody or Matt Q are, but there is a game called Quirkle. So, Matt, if your last name is Quirkle, there's a game named after you. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know who those those dudes are, but it looks like Dylan Tidrick has a uh, younger brother or an older brother who decided to get into racing and throw their hat into the ring with a stock wheelbase class. The Tidrick Empire going to take over that that class if uh, people aren't careful because i can see right here he's sitting number eight that's not too shabby uh it only takes one weekend for him to be up to number five so anyway between that tidrick sandwich we have jake dylan aaron mike aaron and bean or Bo, as he's normally called so yeah pay let's pay attention to that and keep those guys in our hearts <laughs> delirious dude let's keep them in our farts that was pretty funny uh anyway this is episode 78 by the way and uh if you're enjoying it so far you must be on methamphetamine if you don't like it then let me know what i can do better next time we're gonna do a little thing that i've started doing called show i don't know we call it let's call it show and, and scream it real loud like that that was awesome anyway this is like an update this is podcast news for some of the other podcasts i like to roll in a little crappy music for this all righty righty let's get into this week's recap of other 
podcast that you may or may not follow. The Throttled Podcast, they uh, they get schooled this week. Each of them went to a school and learned some new techniques. What I took away from this episode is that Kevin really proved to me the uh, effect of being out of shape and the importance of being in shape, especially if you're going to be doing some off-road stuff. Uh, that could be dangerous if he wasn't at an actual school facility. Uh, yeah. So go listen to that and see what can happen if you've been eating too many Hostess Puff Pies. Uh, the Two Wheel Two Enthusiasts podcast, uh, oh, it was their Ducati-only show. Literally all Ducati. Um, so basically it was another episode of the Two Enthusiasts podcast. The Cafe Racer, Crash gets bumped. Oh, my God. Uh, He doesn't die. He gets bumped by a car. Um, That was like a clickbait. (laughs) The Ace Cafe opens, and they talk about that, and they chat about some gear, which they're really good at. Uh, Go listen to that episode of the Cafe Racer podcast. The Adventure Rider Radio, they continue their hot and cold riding techniques and gear coverage. Now, Adventure Rider Radio is a really good... I literally think it sounds like a radio show. Uh, They're from Canada, and what they do is they talk to all a bunch of people about riding adventure stuff. Surprisingly, not on R1200 GSs. I'm so happy. That's the only reason I listen to the show is because the host has a KLR, not a damn GS, right? The ubiquitous BMW. But they've been doing a series on hot and cold weather uh, riding techniques and gear and all that stuff and uh, not just techniques but also uh, like dressing techniques, riding techniques, all the techniques, you know, so tech geek it out. The Law Abiding Biker Podcast, they're going to Canada uh, expensive beer and no guns, well fellas that's why they don't have alcoholic murderers, uh, so yeah the same as Australia from what I hear over there, beer is really expensive, but they don't have problems with drunkards all over the city uh, running people over. Go listen to last episode. Um, so yeah, they're going to Canada and they talked about all the roads they're going to drive on. That was interesting. Uh, Motorcycles and Misfits. They had a little bit of dirt hijinks. That was a really fun episode to listen to. They talk a little bit more about the dirt and they get possum fever again for we should do a tally. Somebody else go back and listen to the like 200 plus shows they have and you count how many times a possum has interrupted their broadcast uh the riders on the norm wes and mad dog in the studio big scott was still on vacation and they were talking about vannon and all the trips they've been doing recently uh wingman's garage they need patrons they will buy new audio equipment if they get patron support dude they need it please please give them some support they also did like a sport bike history and one of the guests works through their repressed uh, sexuality issues that's all i'll say about that but it was really good uh sport bike history lesson the wheel nerds the wheel nerds get hate mail about toilets yep you heard me right uh and they cover the women's back route back road discovery route no is that what it's called? The BRD. I think it's the Back Road Discovery Route uh, Rally. There's going to be a women's one happening, and they talked to somebody about that. A really good episode. Uh, the False Neutral. It was the first show without Pete. That's about all I can say about that. And uh, the Doghouse, otherwise known as I Hate France. Oh, I'm just kidding. I don't think they hate France. Don't make us come after you with a hammer. Yeah, I'm a 
treat you like a French citizen. Oh my God, maybe they do. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, this week on the Doghouse, they had some pretty interesting things to say about Moto America and the way the series is run. And it, I actually thought it was pretty interesting. And next week, too. Uh, spoiler alert, I'll mention this on the next episode. But yeah, that and their usual racing coverage. And it got me thinking about France and what 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 do we know about the land besides you know people like to bag on it here in America? What do we know about the land that brought us super motard and actually the word motard, which means I think motors like motorad in German, motard in French, motorcycle, motorcyclist, motorcycler. Well, I d- did a little bit of digging, and here's what I found out about the land of romance, lights, and Gallic warriors. There's here's a few things I'm going to tell you about France, the frog-eating, garlic-wearing cowards, right? Absolutely wrong. First off, shame on you. Um, they give us the best food in the world, French cuisine, right? They are like the world's most popular tourist destination, from what I know. They gave us the freaking Statue of Liberty. You like America? You like freedom? You like liberty? They made us that stinking statue and sent it over here. That's from France. Like, you know, they build big Eiffel Towers. They build a big lady holding a torch. It's the largest country in the European Union. Uh, Their motto is liberty, equality, and fraternity. Kind of sounds like a motorcycle club motto, doesn't it? Uh, The French army was the first to use camouflage in 1915 and uh, in World War I. And everyone says, oh, they're cowards and they give up and blah, blah, blah. But, dude, they ran like a total crazy resistance campaign in World War II. And not only that, in modern day times, like not only are they they getting targeted uh, left, right and center for like from ISIS because of their intervention in the Middle East, dude. They have been like doing some crazy stuff in Africa and the Middle East. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with your geography, but Africa is right there by like Spain, Italy, and France and all that great stuff, right? And Portugal and whatnot. Anyway, they, uh, yeah, they go down. They've kept Boko Haram from spreading, I guess, in Nigeria. They had a lot of colonies down in Africa, so they're still a little bit um, involved over there and Africa and the Middle East kind of touch so they are you know doing stuff in Syria they're all all sorts of stuff and the French Legion dude you gotta be a bad a B-A-M-F to join the French Legion like dude they are that thing is a crazy uh, like special forces from every other country. If you want to be a French citizen, you can take 25 years and go through the political process of, and paperwork trail of doing it, or you can join the French Legion and secretly kill people with your hands. Um, French, they've invented a lot of shit. Uh, canning. You ever hear of eating stuff out of a can? Yeah, that's the French. They did that. Uh, you ever hear of um, like chemistry? <laughs> I'm sure you have. I think the guy that invented penicillin was French. Um, Marie Curie was French. You know, famous. uh, She didn't knit scarves. What would she do? She was a scientist. That's all I know about science is that Marie Curie was a scientist. Um, You know, the Braille Institute, Louis Braille. If you're blind and reading, 
via bumps. You can you can thank the French. Rene Lenec invented the stethoscope. So if you've ever had a doctor listen to your heartbeat or your breathing and diagnosed you with something, you can thank the French. Uh, the first hair dryer uh, and also couture pret-a-pret-a-pret fashion. Uh, France. They didn't, maybe not, I don't know if they invented it, but they certainly did pioneer hot air ballooning. Huh? We used that in the Civil War for map making and all that great stuff. Surveilling and sneaking. Um, the Etch-A-Sketch. Did you know that was French? I bet you didn't. And uh, they were the first country to ban supermarkets from throwing away unsold food. Uh, that's a pretty good one. There's a there that's starting to take hold here in America in a couple places. Uh, what else? They've done a lot of cool stuff besides just the Eiffel Tower and the uh, Statue of Liberty. Um, I think they did the very first public movie, even though it, it wasn't a talkie. But uh, 1895. I remember, I remember going to see that movie. That was a uh, that was pretty fun. It was um, I forget what it was called, but um, yeah. What else have they done? The the uh, they got the highest mountain is in Europe is in the French Alps and it's Mont Blanc and uh, yeah they got the Louvre they got a lot of art you ever hear of art you ever hear of mimes France doesn't have mimes they don't they have they have like the world's finest uh, wines that rhymes with mimes kind of um, I think the very first artificial heart transplant and face transplant took place in France. They got some pretty good racers in France. Uh, High-speed rail in France. You know, not just for Japan. Um, What else? Ooh, the wines I already mentioned. Um, The metric system. Oh, yeah. Dig this. If you know what a a kilogram is, they made this platinum and iridium cylinder about the size of a plum. Right, and it was called Le Grand K, and it was the only thing, literally one kilogram, and it's stored in like some vacuum sealed jars in a vault. I saw, I forget what the show was called, but I saw they went and showed this thing and how they keep it like in a barometric chamber to measure one true kilogram, and it's what all stuff is measured off of in the world, right? So suck on that. Uh, I, did I mention the cooking? Like, dude, French gave us the french fries not really they gave us everything else like le cordon bleu if you go to a cooking school then and you like really good food uh, blame france because they kind of started that um they have the tour de france another two-wheeled thing and they also have uh pascal who was great mathematician gave me some of the finest uh suspension setup um what are they called? Those things that you formulate in your head. Formulas. Yeah. So without Pascal, we wouldn't have some of that shit. More cheese than Wisconsin and California California or California, if you're bored of living here. Combined. Oh, they do eat snails, but I would too. Uh, I, when I wake up drunk in the garden every morning, I have a few of them in my mouth. But anyway, the French, we love them. Brigitte Bardot. Jean-Claude Van Damme Marcel Marceau Everyone A special little angel in our hearts So at any rate, yes, go check out The Doghouse Last week and this week Their perspective on Moto America And being sports 
It's truly unique, and I think they have figured some stuff out. And uh, here's what I said last week, and I'm sticking to it this week. So, Doghouse, if you guys got some good ideas for racing and taking over or making a race series, you should do it. You should be the change you want to see in the world. Oh, wait, one more thing. The French gave us the French kiss. They probably gave us pornography. Don't forget filet mignon. Tacos. And they gave us Johan Zarco, one of the greatest MotoGP racers ever. All right, kind of moving on here. One thing I wanted to talk about, I know I've mentioned it a few times to you guys, and I'm not 100% sure if the listener participation segment is done or not, but the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, this is a crazy challenge that I signed up for and a few other podcasts from what I know, from what I think I've heard, uh, have signed up for, and that is put on by Loud Pipes, another podcast that I, did I put what Loud Pipes talked about? Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot to list what Loud Pipes talked about. Uh, They talked about some pretty cool stuff. Go listen to Loud Pipes. They put on this Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, and this year they're doing a little bit different. I have downloaded and printed the rules so that I can have them in front of my face every time I have a question. They look like a lot, but they're pretty simple. And basically what it is, you take a picture of your odometer, you, what the, I feel like there's a ghost in here. It's like all cold and I keep hearing noises. What is up? Are there any ghosts? Is that who keeps stealing my words that I'm trying to think of? Um, but anyway, yeah, they, you take a picture of your odometer, you, uh, submit it to them. You take a, a picture of yourself or a video of the municipality that you go to. The municipality has to be an actual city or municipality, uh, via a Wikipedia verified, you know, Wikipedia, no fake news there. Um, but anyway, yeah, take a picture of yourself and submit it and there's bonus points and it's not all based on mileage this year, which would really suck for a one pump chump like me and that's the whole reason i entered not only does it link us together and we get to do like encourage people to do cool riding to places they've never been to to score high points it gets you out and gets you to places you've never been to and places i have maybe wanted to go or get me out riding more than i've been doing one thing though i listening to cleveland moto and i didn't mention cleveland moto in my podcast roundup there because uh i'm going to tell you about it now cleveland moto has been doing a couple shows recently on maintenance and stuff like that and they they kind of carpet bomb when they do they release three or four at a time and so i went back and listened to a couple this week that dropped Oh boy, was I in for a huge surprise when I started listening to their maintenance. Well, their shock, they did one on like suspension. And I started listening to the fork oil seals and blah, blah, blah. And I do my maintenance like everybody else every 10 years, right? I mean, you check to see the, you got like no brake dive or like the forks not like sloshy and you can't hear oil uh, leaking. You know, you don't see any leaking out on your, what some people call wipers um, or the fork seals or the dust seals. You know, you don't see wet on your um, whatever tube is your inner tube, whether you have inverted forks or not, whichever one's on the inside. You don't see oil on that, and it's not pitted, blah, blah, blah. Um, So here's the deal. They went over that stuff, and that's a great episode. It's one of the last two that just dropped. Um, Today is, or this week, is going to end on the 10th of June, I think, or the 9th of June. 
I wish I knew what day it was. Um, I think it's going to be the 8th of June. Uh, but anyway, so whatever, use this date as a reference and go back to their show that dropped either this week or, or last week and uh, listen to the suspension episode because they'll tell you that you need to change your fork oil probably every year. Um, so that means I'm about 13 and a half years in arrears of uh, changing my fork oil. So basically what they say happens is, you know, you get, you hit a, they're talking on microscopic levels here too. So you get a, a rock or a bug or something hard hit your forks, you know, just while you're out there riding, even sand, I guess. And it creates these microscopic little uh, holes. And if you've ever seen like a, a peen, like a ball peen hammer peen something on a microscopic level, there's a dip where it hit. But where that dip hit, the metal has to be displaced and it displaces out. So it kind of looks like a crater with a dune uh, you know, a circumference and then a dip in the middle, right? So it's all, your fork's all flat and then it goes up slightly before it dips in. And this is like really like on a microscopic level, um, unless you got really twacked by something big, but all that little tiny stuff there, little microscopic stuff, oil is pretty small. An oil molecule is a molecule. And if, if you have a scratch or a nick on your fork that's one molecule deep, guess what? That's taking a molecule of oil out every time your forks compress that far. So the lower down on your fork tubes, the more screwed you are. Um, and basically, the reverse happens if a bug slaps it, you know, at 75 miles an hour or something, like a beetle or something, it will leave a microscopic little uh, nick or a little indentation. Now what happens when you're fork slides up and the uh, wiper or oil seal goes over that it sucks the bug juice down into your oil and uh all the bug you know bugs turn into shellac basically if shellac was made from beetles a long time ago so now you got a bunch of shellac coating the inside of your forks and it's basically like what old shitty gas does to your carburetor so after listening to that and the heat cycles of the oil and blah 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 they said like 5000 miles is basically i don't know if they had just gone to a training or what but whatever they were referencing said you got about 5000 miles and then your fork oils toast so um you if you don't ride your bike but every i don't know once a year you might be fine with changing it every 10 years but me even though i don't show signs of like wetness on my fork slider um you know where it goes the stanchion goes down into the slider i haven't seen any oil on there everything looks good it's not dirty there's no cracks everything looks great I think it's about time for me to rebuild my forks. And I've been thinking about it anyways. You know, I thought, you know, it's been a while since I did that. Regardless of if uh, I was having performance issues, it'd probably be a good idea to change it. And then after listening to this, I'm thinking, oh, shit, I'm going to have to change it once a year. So there's that. And I'm thinking, dude, that and my rear shocks are pretty much like I noticed they're starting to look like toast recently. So... There's always that too. So I, I could be riding around like on a flat jalopy with like one inch of travel. I wonder why my seat height went from like 28 down to 20. And now I, when I go over bumps, <laughs> I feel like I'm on an old Schwinn bicycle. Well, it's because I have no suspension travel. So we'll see about that. That really bummed me out. 
plus the motor oil and all the safety upgrades. Now, I left my bike pretty stock uh, for the last few years, and every little thing that has happened on the show since, I've left. I bent my shift lever right when I started this show. That might not be right. Yeah, right before I started this show, uh, a few months before, I bent my shift lever at the Del Mar Flat at Del Mar Fair racing flat track, I bent it on some dude's head or his arm or something. Um, as I felt flipped over him and I just bent it back, used my friend's truck to bend it back straight. It's worked since it's not loose. Uh, there's no, there was no cracking. It was like a slow, cold banded, but you know, it's, it's, uh, not pot metal or nothing. So everything was fine. Totally bent back straight. I, ac- I actually have a, another spare shift lever. I just don't want to use it because nothing's wrong with the one on mine. But what about the shifting? I've been hitting false neutrals recently, which has never happened before. Are my dogs getting old? Could have been a result of that race and, that was in 2015, um, so two years ago. Uh, or is it just wear? I mean, they're the original gears from 1980. My mirror broke off when I went to the Spooky Spokes episode. Like going to do a haunted episode uh, uh, down in San Diego really destroyed my bike. Like pretty much on that washboard road, um, dirt washboard road. It was not a dirt bike. And, uh, yeah, dude, like flying the flannel on that shit really tore stuff up. It broke my starter. The vibrations were so bad that it broke the starter button off of my combination switch. So I've been, I haven't had one of those. And then I was a jerkwad in traffic the other day and I stalled my bike going around this old lady who was like sitting in a halfway in a turn lane. Uh, and then who was the dirt bag that had to like fish out like a little screwdriver from his pocket and poke it into the thing. Looked like I was riding a stolen bike, but regardless, um, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff. My broken mirror that's like uh, uh, <laughs> hot glued on. That's not great, great sounding, but it kind of does a trick. It's hot glued. I hot glued a dirt bike mirror onto the uh, mirror stem of the old mirror that's busted now that like totally just shattered and flew off because of the vibrations. Uh, broke my, what's it called? Starter button off. I got new grips that are too short. So um, that sucks. Why don't they make all grips the same length? I mean, I guess there's a good reason, but they are about a half inch short. I think you can see it on a couple of Instagram posts that I threw up a couple of weeks ago when I went, or maybe it was last week when I went on a ride. So uh, my chain, dude, my chain has been tighter than a size 32 belt on a size 48 man. I don't know why. I adjusted it in the full, ooh, maybe I adjusted it. You should, okay, here's what you should do for your chain, right? Learn how to adjust it properly. Don't follow these instructions. But, like, I would have somebody sit on it and compress it and then adjust it instead of, because I think what I did is I did it with on a center stand. And then, yeah, then when you let all the weight off it and the swing arm swings up, it puts tension on it. That's probably what I did. I probably did it on the center stand instead of, like, doing the proper sag and everything like that and getting the, yeah. Uh, basically it was just, it was so tight and I do all my T clock stuff and I noticed my chain was, I thought it was super loose and that's probably because it was like just right. And then, or just in spec. And then I tightened it on the center stand with thing hanging down. And then when I sat on it, it stinking tightened up, I know it wasn't loose because if it's loose, when you put tension on it, 
the belt, the chain is going to pull it forward and make it looser because it's trying to pull it forward in the axles. So I know that wasn't the problem, but it was tighter than all hell. So I had to fix that the other day and that makes sense. So stupid. Um, got a little bit of oil always on the front of my head and that kind of bugs me because I don't know if I rattled something loose during that ride a long time ago and it's just ever so you know slightly showing I've cleaned my bike off a couple times trying to see if it was coming from like the uh the valve adjuster cover I put a whole new top end kit on and I torqued everything down but maybe I need to recheck it is my head warped I mean this thing is from 1980 um just enough to let a little oil pardon me seat by so, so all these things right before the podcaster's challenge now you know what would be the prudent thing to do would be nothing if it ain't broke don't fix it i just cleaned my carb and fi- and uh, rebuilt my carb a couple months ago because it was running like crap and there was that thing needed to be gone through and fixed so i got that all adjusted and, and the bike's running fine so if it's running fine and everything else is fine i could rebuild the forks in what like a couple hours you know uh, a day let me let me say a day because as a parent um anybody out there that's a parent you know that you can't just do if it's supposed to take you 2 hours it's going to take you 4 days right because inevitably the kids are going to come out and start playing with stuff or uh, somebody's going to need you for something or be fighting. You know, you're going to have to go break some something up. Sounds like I live at a zoo, doesn't it? God, I make things sound dreadful. Uh, but anyway, uh, a couple couple hours of time is really all I need to fix all this stuff. Um, and I'm leaving the grips. I like the way they look. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, slap a new mirror on, rebuild the forks, uh, adjust the valves, all that great stuff. Probably change the motor oil because if, if, uh, I don't know, smell it, look at the plug, make sure all that stuff looks good. Should probably do all that, but it's just, it's just, you know, a feeling of dread thinking, here comes this podcaster challenge. And now I'm starting to think about all the stuff that I haven't done to my bike, you know, recently. I changed the oil recently. I mean, I, I do the service stuff all the time, but. It's just about that time again, right before the challenge starts to do some of that. So, and I always do my tea, tea clock stuff, um, but it's just so weird doing that and still noticing that my chain was tight. And hey, Jackwad, you do have like a broken mirror, so I don't know. I should I should updo the safety stuff on my bike if I'm really going to get serious about this uh, motorcycle podcasters challenge. If you guys uh, haven't done your chain in like 45 years um, or your forks. Or, or any of that stuff, I would check it out. And if you're the type of person that doesn't do it yourself, uh, go have it done. Hey, before we jump into our next segment, let me talk about somebody, a good uh, friend of the show, RP Enterprises. They've got another fabulous, fabulous product. And this product is called the Lobotomizer. Have you ever been at a party and said something totally stupid, like ask the slightly overweight woman when she was due, only to find out that she didn't have a baby in her tummy? Have you ever said something really stupid like I did at the beginning of the show when I was calling Brittany Olsen little and then I couldn't figure out how to back out of that dug yourself a hole basically well with the lobotomizer by rp enterprises all your problems are solved the lobotomizer is a quick attaching 
self-adhesive latex lobotomy scar. If you say something stupid, before people can start criticizing you and giving you the cold shoulder, quickly go to the bathroom, slap it on, come back out. They'll think, oh, I just didn't notice it before, and you'll be safe. All your faux pas will be forgiven, and you'll have a clean slate. If you have a big mouth like me and you don't know what to say all the time, but you say lots of stupid stuff, go out and do what I did. Get yourself the RP Enterprises lobotomizer. You'll thank me for it later. If you can remember, you stupid. Oh boy, another fabulous, fabulous invention from RP Enterprises. I'm starting to like the uh, cut of these guys' jib. So... A couple things I wanted to bring up before we start heading into the tail end of the show here, and that was some things I've been noticing recently in the industry. And I haven't talked about the industry a lot lately, but I'm gonna. Uh, I didn't really mention this, but I'm going to mention it now. A coworker brought it up to me, so I think it, it uh, warrants uh, talking about. the. Uh, okay, I used to live down the street from New Century BMW in Alhambra, and recently New Century BMW opened a store at Newcomb's Ranch there in the corner, and you can buy yourself a new BMW. Well, June 24th, I believe it is, they're going to have like the G310R. Uh, they're going to have that out there for you to test ride and whatever bikes they have at, on hand out there at the uh, Newcomb's Ranch up on the Angeles Crest. You know, you couldn't pick a better place to open a bike dealership, by the way. It's like having a bike dealership right there on Deals Gap, you know what I mean? So anyway, June 24th, they're going to be having test uh, demo rides, uh, big sales event, yada, yada, yada. They partnered with Newcomb's Ranch, and I think that's one of the most strate- strategically awesome <clears throat> awesome partnerships. Way to go, uh, BMW, taking a dealership. You know, way to go, actually, New Century for having the forethought to do that. I don't think anybody's done that before, so that's kind of cool. Uh, another thing in the news is the Yamaha has a new star venture out. The new bike looks, um, well, here's here's my take on it. Uh, Yamaha going, gunning for Harley Davidson. Uh, now that the Harleys are moving, to, the big tours at least, are moving toward like the twin-cooled, what they're calling showerhead, you know, 114. Uh, basically, this Yamaha is 1,800-some-odd cc's air-cooled. And I read, uh, it might have been from India, the, the article that I read, uh, talking about how they're gunning for Harley with this bike. Now, I kind of don't think so, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. That's just my opinion. But uh, the bike does look cool. I, I don't like the rear end as much as I like the way Harley's done some of theirs. The Goldwing does theirs. BMW on the K1600s does theirs. Um, now, you know, I don't know. The... Uh, I, the, the the rear end doesn't look very good to me. The front end looks really nice. It looks really stylish. They're kind of moving away from their classic line. And I think they have the Royals. No, no, not the Royal Star. I can't remember what their big tour is called right now, but it looks kind of cool. It looks kind of victory-ish, you know what I mean? Uh, like the Octane or something where it's not super old classic cruisery. Um, you go to Suzuki, you know, they got like the C50T and, and all that junk. And then you go to the M109R and it looks like a little bit more, a little cooler. Um, so this is stepping away from that classic cruiser look that, uh, you know, some of the some of the guys are still holding on to. And it's definitely stepping into the, you know, BMW 
K1600, Goldwing, um, the Harley, you know, let me see, like the Road Glide or Street Glide or something like that. Like stepping away from the old, the old bat fairing ones that still kind of look a little classic and more toward Harley's newer, uh, you know, like the dual headlight on the, um, that's the Road Glide I'm thinking of, I think. Street Glide has one headlight, Road Glide has two headlights. I should know this. God damn it. This bugs me when bikes that I see like every day at work, I just can't keep them straight in my head. Anyways, I uh, haven't really seen any torque specs or any specs on it or anything except for the torque specs, which are supposedly around like 100 foot pounds. It's got these two huge gigantic pods on the side and... uh Somebody was commenting to me about, you know, fake air scoops like the VMAX, and I was reading it, and no, they're actually the scoops that direct wind to the rider and to the engine. Uh, If it's a cold day, you can, uh, you know, close them, and then the engine heat will build up behind them and blow over your legs, keep you warm. If it's a hot day, you open them up, and air blows past everything, keeps you cool, keeps the bike cool. It's basically what the uh, saddlebag-mounted fairings on the Harleys that had lowers uh, basically used to do, and that's where they're hiding the um, the radiators now on the twin cools. Um, so those things are functional. It looks, I don't know, it looks pretty cool. They're calling it a transcontinental tour versus their old star lines that they just called crew, you know, they're just calling their cruiser line. They don't, and, and if you remember, I think in 2015, they dropped star from the name, um, you know, in 2016, none of them were called star anymore. Not really relevant to this, except for that this thing is called the star venture. Um, if you remember their old Royal star venture and, and all the other bikes, they looked, uh, classic and, you know, real crappy. Another thing Yamaha is announcing for 2018 already is the, uh, V Star 250 going from this huge 1800 cc air cooled monster down to a 250 cc air cooled monster. Their little V, the littlest V twin. And here's what here's what they need to do with that. They've already got the 18 announced and the color for it and everything. Right? It's still carbureted. I think it's a 26 millimeter carb or something crazy like that. Um, you know, it's a little V twin. What they need to do is what Honda did and revamp this thing. At least make it look cool like the TU250X. I'm all for little bikes. Hell, I st- and I'm a Yamaha fanboy. I, st- I still have my uh, SR250. You know, that's like the bike that I'm planning on doing the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge with if it holds up. And um, I've done like everything on that bike and that I've done on big bikes and more. And so, uh, I'm all for little bikes and cool bikes and hell, it's still carbureted, no ABS, drum, rear brake. Like we're talking the basic schmasic here, but does it have to look like a rebel 250 from like 1999? Uh, this is a, this would be a, something cool to do, you know, a retro spin on it or, and, and do like a baby bolt. Hell, when I, when I first saw the Honda Rebels, that's what the, they look like to me was baby bolts and baby bolts are cool. And look what you've done with the bolt, uh, SCR, the scrambler, you know what I mean? Like they're versatile. Maybe, you know, the ugliest bike Yamaha has made probably was the bolt C-Spec. Um, but well, we're, I'm not talking like Raider and stuff like that either, but you know, as far as bolts go, the bolt C-Spec was a real, a dumper. And I think that's probably why they're not making it anymore, but the, uh, the regular bolt, the Bolt R looks pretty tough. The Scrambler, I really like. You you got this potential with these little 250s. A few years ago at uh, IMS, they had a Bolt 
when they had the Bolt build-off, I guess. It was 2013, I think, when they first brought out the Bolt. They had a V-Star build-off where they gave, uh, or you know, people submitted 250s along with the Bolts. And they took the, the V-Star and made a lot of really cool-looking, they look like Bolt you know, a lot of people did Bolt Street Trackers that year. Uh, that's like the year that the Street Tracker like blew up was 2013. Um, and yeah, they looked pretty cool. So at Yamaha, you're going to go ahead and introduce this like crazy, amazing looking transcontinental tour, but you're not going to redo your ancient, I think it spans back to 2008. So oh, about t- 10 years of, uh, you know, basically 10 years of unchanged rebel copycat. Here's something I noticed this year too. Speaking of big cruisers, Honda. Now Honda has, uh, one is, is one of the only motorcycles that has an airbag system built into it. And I mentioned that there was a recall earlier this year on about 3,800 gold wings, along with like civics and CRVs and all the other Hondas that use that Takata airbag. Well, I was looking at the 2017 gold wing, uh, data this year, and I noticed that I'm looking at their website. I don't see airbag option listed on there. So I go to Honda, you know, the Honda Global site and look at their thing. They mention it, but they mention it in an overview as in like this is Honda's features over the years of the model. And then at the top there on the page where they have the packages listed, the airbag package is not there. Uh, I called up a Honda rep and he said, yeah, we're, they don't have the airbags this year. And I said, okay, that's all I wanted to know. My guess, I didn't pry into it because I'm not 100% sure if they know, but my guess is that the Takata airbag recall uh, has really changed the way that Honda is going to go with the Goldwing. And until Takata can figure it out, uh, I think they're going to be redesigning the Goldwing in 18. I think they said that at the Motor Show, and I think they might have said that on on their uh, media outlets. But... I think that they are designing a new one for 18 and they hope that Takata has the airbag situation hammered out before that because, you know, they have been famously the only airbag, the only motorcycle OEM that has an airbag on board of the vehicle um, instead of like, you know, a Helite vest or all the supplemental gear that you can buy with one in there. Something else I noticed also looking at a bunch of motorcycle stuff. If you go to Kawasaki's website and try to look up some stuff for your Z125 Pro, which is the Grom rival, uh, you'll notice that the front forks don't have any springs. Is that right? Or did they just miss something? I was looking at some uh, parts diagrams, and I didn't see that the front fork and the Z125 Pro had springs. Now, right off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of Honda. Grom info. I'm 100% sure they have springs in them. Uh, so I'm interested in that. Uh, also, uh, this came up, I think, on the Throttled podcast. Harley introduces a factory in Taiwan. Oops, Thailand. We should flesh that out later because, I mean, there's really only like 20 minutes left in this show. And I could talk about that for a while. That and Matt Levitich's, uh in... What was that? His interview with, I think it was Fox News Mornings or something like that in New York, talking about, uh, you know, their new plans to go forward, talking about all the stuff that he is, uh, you know, planning basically for the motor company over the next year and how they performed and all this and that. It's really, it's kind of interesting, um, especially with 
Mm, well, we, we like I said, we'll get into that in another episode. But the factory in Taiwan, I heard it. I didn't uh, know anything about it because I know they have a factories in Brazil and India already uh, and then confirmed it online. They said that, yes, there is going to be a factory opening in Taiwan. Land. Uh, last thing on my little list here, uh, parking tickets. I got a parking ticket recently. That's awesome. Can't tear it up and throw it in the cop's face. You know why? They're not papered. They are made of like the world's strongest plastic. Now, I don't know how much this stuff costs to make and how much it's costing taxpayers uh, for the for the uh, parking enforcement cops to write these little babies and then stick them on your window. But you know what? When they're sticking them out there on your window and it may rain or be misty or, you know, whatnot, they need these things not to melt and turn to basically... Uh, paper mache on your window and that's probably what prompted them to look for this sort of substrate excuse me pardon me one sec while i flip down this pop guard there hopefully that helps so yeah at any rate i was thinking about how how cool it would be uh you got insurance or not insurance you got your registration in your wallet or in your jacket or something like that it rains or it's sweaty Maybe you're going on an iron butt rally and you're trying to keep all your receipts handy and you got them in your jacket or in your back pocket and you're sweating. And instead of pulling out a basically a ball of, of uh, lint or paper mache, as I said earlier, now you got everything there and it's, uh, you know, not it's not faded. Some of the old ones didn't fade or print very well. It doesn't uh, get wet or drip through. Or if you're drinking your cup of joe or something like that at, at a, you know, maybe you're at Cars and Coffee and um, I don't know, you get some a receipt for something and, and uh, maybe you're doing the iron butt and you got a receipt and uh, you drip coffee on it, and all of a sudden it's gone. Maybe you have a roll chart or something like that. I mean, roll charts are a little different, but, you know, anything like that. I, I was just thinking about all the cool things. You know, I got this ticket, and I was, like, bummed out trying to see the bright side of it. And I thought, you know what? Like, this could be applied to so many different things that we use for motorcycling because I know I keep my registration in my wallet with me that way like if I lose my jacket or something or like if my bike were to get stolen or something I'd have the reg on me you know and uh, there's been times where like especially if you're an ADV guy and you do a water crossing and things go awry your whole wallet's getting uh, you know basically drenched and so if you're not keeping it in like a watertight bag or something somewhere then yeah that could be troublesome that's when you go to pull out your uh you know pull out your registration or your insurance or something like that and it just basically melts in your hand i used to have this little card that i carry in my wallet well now i still have it in my wallet but i use it to separate stuff (laughs) nowadays it's not very handy but it used to say if you want to go to bed tonight smile and keep this card. If not, tear it up and walk away. And it was made of the stuff that you couldn't tear up. You know what I mean? And uh, so, yeah, other applications for it, I guess. If you know of something cool that, uh, you know, would work or some some piece of junk right now that ends up, you know, something that give you a bad day, like a parking ticket material, and uh, you think you could repurpose it for something good, uh, let me know. Email the show, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com, and let us know your ideas. There's all sorts of cool stuff being used for evil and uh, malicious, uh, you know, <laughs> getting dollars from undeserving motorcycle riding taxpayers that probably could uh, be pretty cool in the hands of somebody creative. All right, next segment. <laughs> 
just finished and uh man michael dunlop taking his uh 94,000 tt senior uh, tt win uh in other news um i think three people passed this year it's a very dangerous race my wife even sent me a, a link from i think the new york times or something like that talking about the race and so wow this thing the danger of it the scope of it there was like a whole map of who's died and where and it's not just racers it is a uh, spectator so pretty interesting uh they're moving on to other mo- super dangerous races the Ulster GP and the Southern 100, I believe, are coming up. And uh, just to round out the, like I said, congratulations to Michael Dunlop. Guy Martin pulled out. Honda pulled out completely. I think bad weather. There was a lot of bad weather uh, that delayed a lot of the uh, racing and stuff. John McGinnis crashed at the Southern 200, I think, which made Honda... Okay, everybody, let's listen up. I went back and re-looked at my Isle of Man notes from last show because uh, some other stuff had come in despite what I had read and what had been tweeted and all this stuff. I went back and looked at the official Isle of Man website and uh, other news and actually listened to an uh, excellent episode from Front End Chatter, who I'm always talking about. Uh, Now, on the Isle of Man, there were three people killed. There was, uh, okay, John Vandenhoek, who was uh, killed in the Superstock TT. He was 28 years old. Uh, Davey Lambert, who was killed in the Supersport race. He was 48. And Alan Bonner, who was uh, perished in the Senior TT. He was 33 years old. Uh, Obviously, all of them in separate incidents. None of them uh, even in the same race. Uh, the guy Martin and you know John McGinnis did crash at uh, did I say the Northwest 100 or something like that or the no- 100 Northern 100 is the the Northwest 200 I believe is where John McGinnis crashed he had a problem with Honda I read that guy Martin and Honda pulled out uh, the Isle of Man but I didn't realize that it was after a crash I believe in qualifying or racing I'm I can't remember 100% sure uh where it was but he was doing about a uh, guy Martin specifically uh John McGinnis didn't race cuz he was injured guy Martin uh 140 miles an hour grabbed a, a quote box full of neutrals I watched an interview with him with the uh you know Isle of Man coverage you can find it on YouTube I think or if you go to isleman.com uh, I think is the Isle of Man's uh the TT website, there is a a link right there to the interview. And he says he, he grabbed a box of neutrals and it shows his crash. And basically he was coming over a hill. Now the SP two fire blade, I think has like a quick shifter on it and it's like a shift assist or something like that. And he was going in to do some engine braking and literally there's nothing. The bike just shuts off. The onboard camera shows him and then he just hits the curb and, and, pops over the top over the handlebars he was uninjured he was able to go on and race in the SES TT0 later 
fortunately, because Guy, Guy Martin never has won a TT, but like I mentioned before, he's one of the biggest personalities there, and uh, it's just crazy. Every year, all these crazy misfortunes that he has, and he came back to race the Honda this year, and he liked fooling around. Uh, I played a clip, I believe it was a week prior last the week before last show where he was saying he was ready to fool around and get there and he just liked to muck about with bikes and and he's interested in new technology and stuff and it's unfortunate that it let him down in such a bad way so overall uh, i decided to go back and and see what happened here uh hickman took the overall he came in i believe second in in uh superbike um he got 16 points for super sport came in again in super stock uh, in second and came in again second in the senior TT. So points wise, uh, he took it. Uh, Michael Dunlop, of course, took the senior, which is like the blue ribbon. And, you know, everybody pays attention to the winner of that. Uh, not necessarily giving enough credit, I don't think, to Hickman for taking the overall winning or coming in second in three of the four races. Uh, Ian Hutchinson, he has been on par to, you know, he's been cracking lap records and stuff. Uh, he might have given Michael Dunlop a run for his money. If he hadn't crashed out in the CTT, uh, senior TT, he came in first in the super bikes, first in the super stocks. Uh, he got 11 points in the super sport, so he finished behind Hickman and crashed out of the TT, uh, the senior TT. Um, so, yeah, Michael Dunlop taking his fort, uh, 14th super sport win. Uh, he didn't even race Superbike. He uh, raced, uh, got first place in Supersport. That's his 14th win, and I think it's on par with, um, I want to say, Paul uh, Redding, something like that. I forget exactly who he he's tied with. Uh, he got 10 points in Superstock, so he finished a little bit far back. And then, of course, 25 points in the Senior TT, which he won. Hillier, who uh, is coming in fourth spot overall, uh, he came in second in Supersport, got 13 points for Superbike and the senior. So I believe that's uh, fifth place, if I'm not mistaken. And then Dean Harrison, who I've never heard of before, uh, got 16 points in Superbike, 11 in Superstock, and 16 in senior. So he finished fifth or sixth in Superstock. Uh, he finished fifth overall in the races. So Hickman, Hutchinson, Dunlop, Hillier, and Harrison. If your name has an H in it, it was a good day. Or if you're part of the Dunlop dynasty. So Hickman, Hutchinson, Hillier, Harrison, and a Dunlop taking the top five spots. Uh, in the Superbike, Hutchie uh, took first. Hickman, Harrison, Hillier, and Kaneen, who is another name I haven't really heard of. Uh, of course, we said Dunlop won the Supersport uh, one, w- w- uh, which was Dunlop followed by Hillier, Hickman, and then William Dunlop and Hutchinson. So, dude, H's and Dunlops uh, seem to be dominating the TT this year. Superstock was Hutchinson, Hickman, Kneen, Rudder, and Harrison. And then the senior, Dunlop, Hickman, Harrison, Hillier, and Rudder. Uh, the sidecars was the uh, Birchall group of, I think, brothers Ben and Tom. Maybe husbands, I don't know. Uh, and then the SES TT0, uh, Bruce Anstey uh, won on a zero. Guy Martin, of course, who had his off on the Honda, came in second on a zero. And then Matheson, Harrison, and Antimiso, Antimiso, uh, 
Matheson and NMISO on University of Nottingham bikes and Harrison on a Suralia. Now, I think Matheson and NMISO are going to be at, or at least one of those guys is going to be at Pikes Peak because I swear I've seen a University of Nottingham bike listed on the Pikes Peak roster. The rest of the TT classes finish out like this. Uh, yeah, we got uh, Jack Davenport coming in, setting a new uh, a record, followed by Gina Bellman, Sarah Alexander in a close fifth, Kate Isset, Ben Miles, and Richard Coyle, the guy who sounds Welsh but not really Welsh, rounding out the top seven. And that's the cast of coupling followed shortly thereafter by david mitchell and robert webb and that's peep show and uh yeah so pay attention to next you know the upcoming races uh you gotta love those those irish road racing and all that great stuff where it makes the isle of man i mean the isle of man's for sure dangerous but those those races make that stuff look cheesy Isle of Man finishing up means that the Broadmoor Pikes Peak International Hill Climb brought to you by Gran Turismo is just around the corner. And I believe it is. I think I've actually seen a few people prepping and getting ready. Starts Monday, June 19th as Tech Inspection. The 21st is the very first. I think the 20th is a practice day. And I think the 21st is the first day of qualifying. Um, and then, you know, of course, Friday, uh, they start doing all the the final stuff. Uh, Sunday, race day. Saturday is the setup day. I think that's when you go up to the spectators and o- overnight campers can go up. And then you can't, you know, you can't leave because <laughs> then uh, the racers, once they start coming up, you do not uh, get to go up. So, yeah, Sunday, June 25th is going to be the race. We're going to see uh, if the bullshit stops when the green flag drops, as they say. Well, at least I say that all the time. I love that. Uh, I love that. Uh, gonna was going to look at the competitors this year to see. Uh, you know, of course, last year they had a... I don't know. There was some sort of controversy over allowing sport bikes with clip-ons now because of crashes and fatalities. Now you're only going to be able to have, um, you know, one piece handlebars, but Carlin Dunn setting, you know, records on the Ducati Multistrada. I believe he was on. That's a one piece handlebar. Uh, I think last year, the Kawasaki that won, can't remember if it, if it had a one-piece handlebar or not, but you don't need a, a clip-ons and a super aggressive sport stance in order to be super competitive. Uh, so yeah, um, I don't know who to look out for because I'm not 100% sure who's racing. And I've gone to their site, and I don't want to bore you by just reading off all you know, these crazy names, there's just, there's pages and pages for as few people as are actually on the Hill. Like supposedly there's a hell of a lot of people listed here. Um, one, two, three, four with, uh, three electric motorcycles. Um, yeah, actually this is kind of funny cause none of them are, well, the, there's one zero FX and then the rest of them are nothing I've ever heard of. One's university of Nottingham, uh, with the PPO one, one is the Buckeye Current RW3X, which I've never heard of, and then there's the uh, Zero FXS, which will be racing. There's a Exhibition Power Sport. There's only two competitors in that class: one on a Triumph CNJ and one on a Bot Power XR1R. Both 
really bitching. Uh, I mean, I know the bot power for sure is, uh, you know, those things like, oh, they make my eyes blow out. They're so beautiful. Um, there's five people in the quads, a uh, bunch of people in the heavyweight division this year, which is uh, pretty interesting. There's going to be Kawasaki Z900s, Duke 1200Rs, Hyper, uh, Ducati Hypermotard 939SP, Aprilia Tuono, uh, KTM Super Duke R 12, uh, 1290, and then Super Duke 1290R, the BMW R1200R, Kawasaki Z1000 Mark II. So that's a little bit older one. The Husky Supermoto, uh, probably the 701, I'm guessing. The KTM 690 Duke. Uh, oh, these are middle. Those have to be middleweights. We just moved out of heavyweights. We had to have. Yeah, yeah. The KTM 690 and the FZ07, Augusta Brutale, Yamaha FZ07. Uh, those are all middleweights. And then you got the lightweight division with a bunch of Honda CRF 450Rs, Aprilia S VX 450s. So it's going to be pretty cool. Then there should be somewhere, I don't see it listed here, but somewhere there's got to be a like a, a, a vintage class or something. It's, it only has 31 um, motorcycle entries. So I don't know, maybe they, maybe they made good on like getting rid of all their uh, motorcycles in the like not having vintage classes and stuff like that. Plus the fact that it was like $13,000 to race. I was reading some of the stuff last year after it became super controversial. A lot of people were saying, you know what? Screw it. It costs me a lot to come here. The entry fees are exorbitant. Like it's almost not worth racing anyway. I don't want to do it. Um, and so there was a lot of, uh, people pretty upset about returning, even if they were invited. So yeah, I only see 31 bikes on there. Hmm. So we'll have to uh, pay attention for that. It's coming up pretty soon. We're going to be around LA this, uh, weekend. Let's get you some stuff to do. Um, this, this weekend, starting at Davida, uh, on this Sunday, it's going to be the second passed. Sunday ride. That's uh, 10 a.m. Uh, kickstands up, I believe. Is it 10 a.m.? That's in downtown L.A. De Javita is D-E-J-A-V-I-T-A. Uh, the following Sunday, the Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club hosts their uh, every third Sunday ride. And also, a new thing, Bells on Bikes starting third Sunday rides. Um, check their website for details. I think it's bellsonbikes.com or go to fa- their Facebook page, Bells on Bikes, and check out their ride times. Um, let's see. If you're going to be around on the 11th through 9th in New Jersey's The Race of Gentlemen. If you're going to be around next week, all next week, I believe, the 15th to the 18th, Loser Machine down in Irvine is going to be having a warehouse sale. Go check that out. They they uh, make a lot of um, motorcycle-related stuff, so go check out the Loser Machine Company. Um, what else is going on? Hell on Wheels, that's right. June 18th, having their summer scrambles at Hell on Wheels. At <laughs> Hell on Wheels. <laughs> Glenn Helen on Wheels. Uh, it's like a run what you brung race category for scrambles ought to be pretty awesome hell on wheels uh puts on some really bitching events and glenn helen is a fun fun track um father's day also june 18th century motorcycles father's day party they're having live bands and raffles and bike shows it's in san pedro look up century motorcycles uh also 18th of june you always hear me talking about ramming speed and how they've been doing their small bike classic track days well they're doing it again uh they have a new rider class available it's 150 dollars per bike out at willow springs raceway
anyway, um, June 18th. I mean, if you want to get into classic road racing or anything like that, that's something you definitely want to check out. Uh, Monday, June 19th is International uh, Intergalactic, I think, Ride to Work Day. Don't forget to ride your motorcycle whether it's raining or not. Uh, following weekend, June 24th to 25th is Born Free. Don't forget the Motorcycle Podcaster Challenge starts June 21st, I think it is, and I promptly leave the state on the 22nd. So that's going to be great. I'm going to be gone until the 29th. So for like the first week, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to, I'm going to miss the second uh, call out of the numbers, but I'll be back in time to uh, look at them and go do some. So that'll be great. Um, if you're going to be around, okay, Born Free, I mentioned 24th and 25th. That's in Silverado Canyon. Just go check out bornfreeshow.com. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff this year. It's going to be huge, even though it's like the 10th or the ninth year of it. It's getting bigger and bigger. Uh, that same weekend, the SoCal Swap Meet, uh, it's going to be probably dead um, just because everybody's going to be out there at Born Free. You know, <laughs> everyone's going to be riding their bikes out there. The only people that are going to be at the Swap Meet are like the uh, the guys that really don't have bikes because they're trying to sell them at the Swap Meet. Um, the Hell on Wheels Saturday Night Drags, uh, this is to be announced, but also they are having a their hot August nights. August is coming up, so uh, they're having their summer race series going on with the scrambles, the drags, and the hot August nights. So I'm pretty excited about that. We'll probably try to hit up a few of those again like we did last year. The Black Girls Ride, third annual coast-to-coast ride from L.A. to Brooklyn, takes place from the 3rd to the 17th of July. Um, Excuse me, I had a little fly in my throat. The L.A. Calendar Show, this happens in Woodland Hills. Um, it's the, like, Fast Dates, I believe. Uh, motor, like, all the calendar girls from the Fast Dates calendars and stuff like that. Uh, so you see a lot of custom bikes and scantily clad women. That's going down 15th of July. Uh, go check that out. Just look for the L.A. Calendar Show. Um, the... <laughs> uh, what is... There's two SoCal Swap Meets? No. This one's for July. July 30th as the uh, SoCal Swap Meet. I don't want to get too far out here because uh, we got Sturgis coming up in August. Hot August nights. Another SoCal Swap Meet. There's a few things coming up. We shouldn't get ahead of ourselves uh, too far. Let's keep it in, in June and July here. Fox Valley Lita's July 11th. Going to be having their Shop Talk Tuesday, July 11th. Due to the holiday... What holiday? The July 4th holiday? All right, I'll accept it. That's a good holiday. Uh, June 17th, um, go check out, if you're in the Coeur d'Alene area, go check out Johnny J and the Flatfoot Fluji's at Car d'Alene. And, of course, the day that I'm leaving town at the Costa Mesa Speedway, Born Free and Harley-Davidson Motor Co. present the Stampede, which is going to be live dirt track racing, 88 Fair Drive, Costa Mesa, California, www.bornfreeshow.com. For more information, gates open at 4 p.m. Uh, we're going to call this uh, show, folks. It's going to hit an hour 40 here in a second. So peace and grease. Keep your niece in some skis. Do not let her go to the uh, schoolgirls rally there in Lake Elsinore. Trust me, I've seen the pictures. Do not. 
All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye. I'm sorry. Change your name to uh, Obi-Wan Kanenda because, oh, God, you're not looking at a GIF, son. You're looking at a GIF, man. Uh, you say GIF. Coin. You don't say GIF. You no, say don't do GIF. It. Don't do this. I'm going to edit this out. So don't do anything that I'm saying right now. Jump over a cow. Mies has not seen less than fourth place all season long. Yeah, I think at some point you realize that most of the stuff you say is wrong. Most of the stuff that I've ever said is wrong. 